Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. I'm Annie Warmke. Okay, and today we're going to talk about uh, starting your own sustainable business or blow up your TV. Uh, what is that? Eat a lot of peaches, move to the country. Um, Did you do that? No, it's a John Prine song. I know yeah. it is. All right. Anyway, so um, what 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 I'm getting at here is is we get, of course, a lot of people here at Blue Rock Station talking about, oh, I would love to do what you're doing. Oh, it would be so great to go move into the country, buy some land, build myself a little cabin, you know, raise or some, no, raise some, yeah, raise some goats. Pound tires. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think people, and certainly we can understand that because we're motivated by the same thing. You say, all right, this is an idyllic vision. I'm tired of what I'm doing. I just want to sort of leave the world behind. I want to start my own sustainable business and let's just do it. Yeah, but know. that isn't where we started. We just bought land because we thought when we, we'd like to have a retreat for our families and a way to get together. And so we would buy this land and, and build some kind of a building on it. And when we were old, maybe we would come there and visit more often. Mm -hmm. So that's, sit on the front porch, talk about how kids right. these days that's are no right. damn good. But then I heard Michael Reynolds, the architect, talk about building houses out of clean waste. And so that, that kind of changed things a bit um, because I kept thinking we should do something that made a difference for somebody besides us as far as housing. Because, you know, to have more than one house you could live in just seemed like um, not, not a nice thing. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and so that's your convoluting a little bit of our motivation versus the motivation of the folks who come here dreaming. Well, know. I'm just saying, you know, you can start a business that comes out of something else that you look at your resources and you say, wait a minute, I could make money by selling tours or I could make money by making homemade ice cream on on Sunday afternoons in the summer and or I could make money by showing a film on the side of the building and people coming and paying me a couple of bucks it really is the motivation of I want to have what I feel is a comfortable life I want to do what I want to do and I want to do use the skills I have I don't want to necessarily be working for somebody else or doing for somebody else. Right. It always reminds me a little bit when people come and reminisce. It, it reminds me of people who go on vacation, you know, and then they go, oh, I would just love to live here. I want to live on the ocean. Yeah. I want to live in Hawaii. I want to live in, you know, wherever they happen to go on vacation, forgetting the fact that they're on vacation, right? Well, part your of life follows you. <laughs> yeah. Part of the fun of where you're at is nothing to do but just sit by the pool you know, but the people who live there, like when we lived in Florida, there would be years go by. We, we never, never went to the never beach. saw the beach. I mean, we might as well have been living in a very hot Nebraska or something. Well, you know? we were in a constant quest to find how to get a house at the end of a half mile dirt road. And that's what yeah. we did eventually to deal with it. So I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is this you know, maybe unrealistic, maybe, um, and, and maybe before you sell your house and tell your boss to shove it, 
and go walking out the door, you might want to test to see if your dream is actually something you want to live. You know, that's one of those things is to, to maybe, you know, test it for a little bit. See how well, that we works. Did, I did convince you to go to where the architect is and we did work on a couple of buildings and look at houses and all that. But one of the things that I think where we are right now having spent a lot of time the last couple of months and, and for the next few months doing consulting with people who are wanting to start small businesses primarily around agriculture um, is that I see that they want to do less. They don't want to work as hard as they have to for the other part of the life that they've had. And I think that's going to change things dramatically for how businesses evolve. Well, just from my own experience, if you're going to start your own business, I would guarantee you're not going to work less. No, um, but I'm telling you, that's that's what a lot of people want. And that's where the gig economy has come in, where you could work and make a certain amount of money, and then you can play with your friends and run off to the beach or buy pit, bitcoins So, so maybe we should differentiate between the idea of saying, okay, I want to do what I'm doing now, but do it somewhere else, you know, like when you're talking about gig economy, where if I'm doing online medical billing or whatever, I don't have to be sitting in the middle of the city. I could be in a cabin somewhere doing the same job. What you'll find probably is your internet connection is well, a little bit dodgy. Broadband, yeah. But, um, but that's one thing. But then really what the focus of this discussion is, you're going to leave what you're doing and start your own little sustainable business, whatever that happens right. to be. So here's the deal. So there is a title for that. And if you don't understand this title or you don't recognize this title in yourself, don't do it. And that is the word leader because the buck stops with you. So if you don't have leadership abilities to take charge and motivate yourself and others, self-motivation is a really important thing if you don't have the ability to create that idea in a way that others can understand it so you your customers or your partners or even your family know where you're going um then then don't do it because it's it's going to fail and and most small businesses do fail within the first couple of years partly because they lack leadership or management ability or partly because they don't have the resources to maintain their lifestyle until they actually make a living. And one of the things that is really where everybody wants to be, so the leader is one, but next is they want to make a living. They want to be able to translate what they know into a business that will help them make a living. And people are very bad at that. Mm -hmm. And so there are some things we talked about in a lot of our discussions recently, especially since I've been doing all this consulting. And one of them is that we, as a culture, are loaded up with fear. You know, we fear insects, we fear strangers, we fear, fear new places. Um, nobody, anybody who doesn't speak English is the first language. And so there's a lot of fear factor in starting your own business. There's a lot of bad information out there. A lot of, oh, you must have a business plan. It's got to be 82 pages long kind of thinking. And it really does start with your idea. Well, I think part of, I mean, I certainly can, can sympathize with, with this sense of fear. I know in a, a couple of times in our relationship, 
you know, when you first announced that we were going to move to Florida, or no, you were, I was moving you to were, Florida. whether I was going or not. Well, we right? weren't married. Yeah, all right. So, so anyway, at that point, my first thought was, well, you mean I need to leave my home? I need to leave everyone I know? Where is my support system? What happens? I'd always felt like, you know, rightly or wrongly, and it turns out as an adult, I know probably wrongly that I felt like if I got into trouble, I would have a support system that would, would bail me out. Moving away like that got rid of that support system. Um, Not really. There's telephone even in those days. Yeah, but of course, most of the support was an illusion. And, <laughs> and I would say that was the second time because when we finally got to the point where we were being very successful and we decided, all right, let's quit all of this stuff, quit the money, um, start our own thing. Uh, we don't really had, we didn't have a pure sense of what that was going to be, but but we began to form it. But my my concern was if I quit, I mean, where's my sense of security? Where's our paycheck? Where's our insurance? Where's our, all of these? And of course, your response to me was, that's all an illusion. You could walk in tomorrow, they fire you, you know, you get hit by a bus and the insurance won't pay all of these things that you're relying on as security are completely in your own mind. They don't exist in reality. Yeah, it's true. And that was that was hard to hear. Um, yeah, I know. And that was your reaction to it. You were like yeah. really upset with me, like I had control. And I said to you, but, you know what? If I had control over how these things work, and I was that powerful. I wouldn't be using it on you. I'd be yeah. taking it to a much higher level. But Jim. you shouldn't have told me on the same day that the Easter Bunny didn't exist. I mean, that's just adding insults to injury. I know it, but you handled that pretty well. All right, I got over it. So, so, but fear also, you know, like we didn't start out saying, let's build a house and it's going to become a business. It wasn't until uh, we were in the process of building the Earthship that I started to think about the fact that I was really motivated to come back to Ohio. To me, it was home. And it became more than just this is a place, a holiday house or a place to come to. Um, and we wanted to build this house out of tires and cans and bottles with an architect, of course. And I tried to find a contract and I was scared to death. Like, you know, how's this going to work? And I'd get all nervous about, you know, we'd save the money so we could pay cash for everything. And I was watching every dime so we didn't go over. And then at some point, we couldn't find a contractor. They thought I was nuts wanting to build a house like that. And then also to pay them to go to Taos and learn from the architect. We said, this is the future. And they're like, they said to you, your wife's crazy. Is your wife crazy? And you said, no, she's the sanest person I ever met. Well, that's, that's, what, I told, that's what I told you. No. And, <laughs> so. and so, so you said to me, Again, this was motivation. This was believing we could do it. This was you looking at me saying, you take the lead. And you said, well, you'll have to be the contractor. And I just right. cried because I'm like, I never built anything in my life that wasn't made of sheets that went over the swing set frame. And, but then we went forward and, and it was, there was a lot of fear, but then there was also a lot of motivation because it became clear when 450 people showed up to look at the skeleton of the building and we're in the middle of nowhere, maybe we had a business in the making. Okay, so the first thing is you've, you've found your motivation and hopefully that motivation is not entirely negative. You know, I hate my life. 
In fact, we talk oh, about I this with, my life. Uh, I know, I know, but we talk about this with interns. You know, there are two types of interns, those who are running away from something and those who are running towards something. And I guess my advice is if you're hoping to build a little cabin out in the woods uh, and, and give up your job and all of that because you hate your life, you're going to be bringing your life with you. Yeah. So you're still going to hate it. It's just you're going to be poorer and more isolated. So, so that's one thing. Then the second thing is, you know, um, overcome your fear because even if you're going to run towards something, it, it is a fearful thing to do you know, yeah, chasing you your dream. Yeah, past a certain point. Right. And then you have to come up with a plan. And for us, that planning process kind of involved a period of time where we quit what we were doing. We actually moved to Europe, which is a pretty dramatic um, pause. And while we were there, began to formulate the plan of what we yeah, would do. In the last year we were there, we did. And we spent a lot of time, in fact, from really from the beginning of our granddaughter whom we raised from birth uh, until recently we would play a game, a goal setting game every year. We'd go away together and we'd have pieces of paper and we'd put thing, goals for the air on the wall or before she could write, we would draw murals. And so we were good at creating basic plans. Um, and the thing that we did when we were in Europe, was to begin to look at every resource we had and say, how can that be monetized in life? And so we created, we went and visited a lot of places, um, like Francine Raymond, who was a, a woman in the middle of a nowhere in this tiny little town in England where there was a big windmill and her house and a couple other churches and things. And she made a living from these little booklets that she made um, about peacocks and uh, uh, hens in the garden, she called it. And you would go there and she had beautiful scones and tea and these hens, these um, buff, buff Orpington hens and a, and a cockerel would be walking around. There would be three hens in the cockerel walking through her garden and you could see you know, how she'd fixed it so they didn't destroy everything. And she inspired us. That's where our first booklets came from. But so we went around saying, let's learn from others. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break here and remind you guys that you are in listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. Thank God. Thank God. So it may be the end of your lifestyle as you know it, and you're moving into that next phase. And, and I know you were talking about, you said Francine Raymond. I don't remember her name exactly, but I, I was just stunned. It's like, really? You can make a living? with four chickens, you know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously it was it was in how they're marketed, in well, the ambiance. she was motivated. Her husband died and she still had a young son at home and she didn't really have any job skills. Yeah. And so she got somebody to teach her how to do some graphics, although that person did the graphics in the beginning. And she made these little booklets that were stapled together and people bought them. And yep. there were a lot of people there that day sitting in her dining room, you know, in little at little tables. And she's got on a cute apron. It was colder than blue blazes. And, and we drank tea and thought, wow, this is inspiring. So, so then, uh, you know, the second or the third thing you're going to do after you've uh, decided you're going to do it is come up with your plan. And that plan can be all over the place. You know, well, I mean, we tried a lot of things and they did some of them work. We 
we got llamas because our granddaughter wanted to have llamas to show in 4-H and that was a good decision and um, we did tours so anybody any day you could show up and it was usually just as we were eating lunch and so we'd have everybody sit down and feed them and they'd go on a little tour and we charged uh, $2.50 uh, per person and um, at some point we analyzed that and said let's move it to five and move it on Saturday uh, you know once a month and so we got we learned we tried we tested we saw what we liked we saw what we didn't like because our mission in our mission it says we're gonna have fun and so that's what we did and then we also had enough capital as you like to say you're gonna bleed the first two years yeah. the next year you're gonna well people were always asking me and this is a big problem most businesses run into is they just don't have enough money to get them through but people when we were first starting out saying well how's your business doing I said you know when we were planning this we figured the first two years we'd lose a lot of money the second two years we'd lose a little bit of money and the third or the fifth year we we'd begin to break even and we're two years into it and we're right on schedule <laughs> yeah, you know bleeding like nobody's business. <laughs> so so that's one thing is you, you really 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 need to have enough resources it may be money it may be time well, you know time and it's is also another resource things that you can yeah. monetize well the other thing too is um, as you were sort of alluding to, we would we would do a thing and then constantly evaluate it and say, did that thing work? If it did work, can we improve it? If it didn't work, let, let's not do it. And yeah. I always and did we have fun doing it? It had that, that was, was the bottom deal. line. Well, one of the I always say that you know going through the MBA program, I didn't learn learn much. I I figured they could summarize it by saying the secret to being a success in business is look at what you did. If it worked, do more of that. If it didn't, don't do that as much. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, one thing I will say, though, is when we first came back from Europe, we um, wrote a, a, a little booklet similar to Francine Raymond's. It uh, wasn't about hens. It was about how to build a plastic bottle greenhouse because one of the other things we did was we spent some time in Scotland with uh, some people that were building an earthship there as a science center. And we learned a lot and we connected with some really great people that we're still friends with and do some work with now. And, um, and that was really powerful because I remember we had this con ongoing discussion for several months, maybe, and you kept saying, I don't know that the internet's going to be a place to sell things. And I, I'm not, I just not convinced about books. And so I said, well, let's just do it anyway. And so how long did that booklet sit there? <laughs> Forever. We, no, no, a year. It was a year. I know. And it was so funny because the day we got our first order, I was like, oh, we got an order, we got an order online. And then it's like, oh, it's a friend of ours from down in Florida. <laughs> it's like, oh, probably would have given it to her for free if she had asked. But, but uh, we went on to write several booklets, and they, they were, as we like to say, we have to have many baskets that we have the eggs in, and, and if one of them gets taken away, we still make a living. But those little booklets in that basket made us money every single year until just recently when we stopped promoting them and basically um, they're still good little booklets but we've moved on to bigger and better and more of other things. Well I think another resource that a lot of people don't take advantage of is and you would refer to it as a focus group 
But you bring together friends, colleagues, associates, however you want to describe them, and you say, you ask them, you know, can you look at what I'm doing and tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong? I mean, we got into a big process uh, years ago now, what, 10, 15 years ago? About um, 10 years ago when, when I said I'm not having fun anymore, yeah. and you said, oh, my God. Yeah, we were, we were primarily focused on doing sustainable building, you know, straw bale construction, earthship construction, those kind of things. Walls. And we were kind of, got, kind of burned out on that already, for sure. But you were the one who raised it first, saying, I'm not enjoying this. Are you enjoying it? I was like, I'm not that enjoying it. But it's like more than half of our income. And you and said, I well, said, our mission statement, <laughs> our mission statement says we're going to have fun. If we're not having fun, we got to stop. Uh, yeah. That, of course, was freaking me out because it's like, okay, give up half our income. Yeah. And at that point, we, you called together a focus group. Well, uh, it was more than that. We made it a weekend. And so we had former interns, um, people I'd uh, done work with in other places some of our friends came that had been in our life before business people and a couple of family members and um and we we showed them every resource that existed we took we we got our my cousin mac to have his boat and we went on the river we went to the ice cream place we liked we showed the lack of restaurants that were any good um, we didn't have any that were good, so that wasn't that didn't take long. But anyway, and then and then we laid everything on the table, which was not easy. I mean, there was a lot of teasing about you know Annie needs a cleaning lady because she doesn't like to clean up after everybody and things like that. Um, but what they basically told us was what we'd been discussing and thinking about. But it we were well, you were fearful because you felt like you didn't have enough knowledge to move into the world of solar energy. And, you know, it was hard to believe at the time, but the reality was solar energy was really, really like a baby in diapers. And um, so we decided when everybody went home on Sunday afternoon, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do solar energy. You're going to write a book and we're going to teach some classes. And on Monday, the phone started ringing. It was like everybody went home and called up anybody they knew and said, guess what they're going to be doing? And we had enough work. We did this in July. We had enough work for the rest of the year. Yep. The analogy I always think about, because this happened several times, once when we decided we were no longer going to become, I decided, you, you decided for me <laughs> that, <laughs> that I was no longer going to be a real estate mogul. And uh, I did. I don't yeah. remember. Anyway, that. and... Uh, and then again, when we move from one business plan to the other, and the analogy I always think of is you're paddling and paddling in the boat, you know, and you're struggling and you're not making any progress. And it turns out it's because you're paddling against the current. And then at those moments, we just simply said, you know what, how about if we go that way instead of this way? And you just let the current take you. And suddenly you're making progress and it's easier and, and it's just like, like the universe was saying, you're trying to go the wrong way and that's why it's feeling difficult, you know? Yeah, and maybe that's a we little were, new age, a little No, but it was the same when, we were, when I said, I'm going to Florida. Mm -hmm. And once we made that decision, yeah, there were some struggles, but we were happy. Yeah. We were really happy and, and, I remember the first time my mom came to the house 
and we had fixed the bedroom so we had only gotten one telephone in the bedroom that's where the jack was because um we're like we don't know how long we're going to live here we're too cheap to you know we're being frugal because we didn't make that much money and so my mom wanted to use the phone and she went in the bedroom and there was the mattress on the floor with this lovely quilt above it and she's like oh my god i'm gonna buy you a a bed frame and it was like no we're happy (laughs) we're really happy sleeping on the floor together yeah i think the universe tells you when when things aren't you know if you're struggling if it's a struggle and this isn't always the case obviously but you know maybe it's because you're trying to go the wrong direction so yeah yeah mm-hmm. so so let's talk about you know the the reality of where we need to be as corporate America, which is small business is part of corporate America, is that we need to have what is called the triple bottom line business plan, mm-hmm. and that means people, planet, and profit in that order so so one of the things that we have done without knowing that this was actually a thing was we have given away a lot of things, scholarships, opportunities, our internship program, uh, housing and food. Uh, We fed everybody. We've done our best to um, operate in a resilient way. Uh, In fact, we've gotten two grants that uh, we were the top award winner of the grant because people looked at our our management and where we had been before COVID-19 and where we are now and said, you are the only business that applied that we felt they are going to still be here when it's over. Well, and that's part of the whole, you know, resiliency, sustainability. It's all about adapting to to ever-changing conditions. And, And I think this is something we do quite well is is a constant evaluation and reevaluation of what are we doing how are we going to evolve how is the market and the conditions changing is that going to be a threat to what we're doing uh covid very good example of that if you're doing all face-to-face tours and and face-to-face classes which was most of our income, income. most of our activity now we had already begun to the idea of process of moving to online but this just kind of was like, okay, guys, emergency room. Mode. Guess what? You're going to do it now, mm-hmm. and and that's a good example because over the course of that year, we were able to then transition almost 100 percent of our face-to-face activity to online, and the revenues actually appear at this point like they're going to be more yeah. at some point. But here's the thing that's funny because our granddaughter likes to joke about this and say, you know. Papa's in the next room and you send him emails or Papa's in the next room and you're going to have a meeting. So we do have meetings every morning. We have a briefing. We look at the news and tell a joke and, uh, and monthly. And then annually we have a planning meeting. Okay. Well, you've got about 30 seconds to talk about work-life balance because that's a big issue okay, when you decide well, I this. have a goat herd. They help balance my life. I just need to sit among them. So you go up there and you sit down and you pet the goats. And I think it's really, that's the part where people say, I want to move to the country, blow up my TV, eat a lot of peaches, all that stuff. But then they forget to actually eat a lot of peaches and, and you know, enjoy the country. Goats, yes. Yeah, because, I mean, that's, you got to kind of make it a priority. That's, yeah. that's tough to do. Take care of your spirit. Mm-hmm. That's the 
work balance. Okay, well, we have come to the end of our discussion here. You have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warnke. We want to thank <laughs> our work balance uh, Emmy Award winning producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and have a plan. Have a plan. Till next time. Bye bye. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at BlueRockStation.com.